You're listening to the New Life Church Podcast, where we are passionate about helping you connect to your God-given purpose. To learn more about New Life Church, including our service times in Canton, Georgia, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. We are now in our final week of Behind the Veil. Week one was actually Easter Sunday, and we talked about how God split the veil of the temple in Jerusalem from top to bottom when he died on the cross. You know, the old system of worship, that separated system where everybody had to be outside the temple, where only the high priest could go in, all of that was suddenly became obsolete as soon as Jesus died on the cross and that veil was torn from top to bottom. The old covenant had passed, not that we don't respect it, not that we don't study the Old Testament, because it all points to Jesus, amen? We don't do away with it, but the fact that is that, that that style of worship and that pattern of worship is now obsolete because of the blood of Jesus. He introduced a new covenant with his blood. No longer would we have to be separated from God. No longer would we be kept out of his presence. Because of his sacrifice, we can now go boldly. Somebody say boldly. We can go boldly into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. Because of the cross, we now have, remember this, all access, all access into God's presence. Can we just stop and give God praise one more time for that? Come on. That's what Jesus did. If you missed that Easter message, please go back and watch it online. And then last week, Pastor Tyler preached with such energy and fire that the fire alarm went off in the second service. No, he preached the paint off the wall. He preached an unbelievable message. Do you give it up for Pastor Tyler? It was a great message last week. He brought our attention to a very important question, so much so that I want to put it on the screen. Basically, he said, you know, we now have all access to the Father through Christ, but does his spirit have all access to us? The big idea was about surrender, but not American surrender. Not the Western version of surrender. Surrender is more than inviting God to come and bless what we've already done. That's the way we think about surrender. Well, Lord, just come and I'm inviting you in to my plan. That's not surrender. Surrender is when we ask God to take our plan. Take it all. Take it all and do with it as you please. Even to the point that it may not even look the same when you're finished with it and we surrender to his will. will. That is what surrender is all about. Now that's scary. But listen, there is no better place to live than in the will of God. There is no better condition of your heart than to be fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. If you missed that message, you really do owe it to yourself to go back and watch it online. I think it's probably one of your best that you've done since you've been with us. Today, we're going to finish the series uh, looking back at a very familiar story. If you, even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard of this story. And it demonstrates that Jesus didn't just come to tear the veil in the temple, but also destroy the, the, the barriers between each other. This story, today, we're going to look at Jesus and the woman at the well. 
And our subtitle is Breaking Every Barrier. Breaking Every Barrier. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the presence we've already sensed in the worship that you are here. Your word says you inhabit the praise of your people. And God, we're so thankful that your manifest presence is here. God, thank you for those who, who took the next step and were water baptized today. God, we celebrate that. And now we celebrate your word. Let it become alive and active and powerful and prophetic in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4. We're going to get right into this. John chapter 4. If you don't, of course, we're going to have it on the screen this week's in the New Living Translation. What we're going to do is we're going to read this story. I'm going to teach a little bit as we go along, but then we're going to do something very special. We're going to actually watch it through a scene from The Chosen once again. It's absolutely incredible, but I want, to, I want to teach it first. I want to go through it because, you know, the, when you read the word of God aloud, it's powerful. I mean, if you can, when you're in your, your private time with the Lord, read some of your scriptures out loud and see if it doesn't make a difference. Because when we read the logos, the word out loud, it becomes something else. It becomes rhema. It becomes a right now prophetic word. Just that wasn't even my notes. So just, just do that. That is powerful. So that's what we're going to do. John 4, 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. We've got a map so I can kind of show you where this is. They're here in this area, okay? And they're, they, they go back. They're heading back to where they all are from up here in the north of Israel. This is about 80 or 90 miles, okay? It's not a big country. It's a very small country, but it's still, they don't have cars or helicopters or planes or anything or trains. They have to do this all on foot. So they're here and they're heading north. Verse four, Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Actually, he didn't have to go through Samaria. As a matter of fact, most Jews did not go through Samaria when they traveled from the south to the north or the north to the south. I want you to show they mostly did everything they could to avoid going through Samaria, kind of like my dad did going around New Jersey when I was a kid. Sorry, if you're, I'm sorry. I, I promised myself I wasn't going to say that. But you can see the main highway up through here goes through uh, Sychar, which is where, I think that's misspelled actually. But anyway, um, that's where they're going. That's the easiest route, the quickest route, the most public route. But most Jews would go way over here and around, miles out of the way, because there was such a political and prejudicial divide between the Samaritans and the Jews. There was a racial difference and divide between both equally. Equally, they did not like each other. Now, this prejudice between them was extreme. It was deep, and it went back 500 years. And actually, if you went and talked to most of the people, they wouldn't even be able to tell you really why. They were just following the lead of the generation before them, and that will preach for another day, I'm telling you. There was a lot that had to do, but there was a deep hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. But when John, who wrote this gospel, when he said that Jesus had to go through Samaria, it wasn't a geographical necessity. It was a spiritual mandate. 
Because see, Jesus was always led by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit led him to go through Samaria because there was a woman there who needed to meet with Jesus. There was a woman there who needed a divine appointment. There was a woman there who was so low down in her shame that she was ripe for a meeting, an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that would change her life. And that's how much he loves you today. He'll go out of his way. He'll go where he's not supposed to go to meet with you. He was led by the Holy Spirit. And you know, when we give God all access to our heart, we will be led by the Spirit as well. When you get to that place in the Lord, you'll find yourselves going, yourself going to places you had never gone before. You'll find yourself doing things you've never done before, saying things that you've never said before. You might find yourself swimming upstream against this culture. You might find yourself at odds with the status quo. You might find yourself making sacrifices for the kingdom that you never even thought about before. I'm talking about being led by the Spirit. It sounds frightening. Sometimes it is. It sounds dangerous. And sometimes it is, but I promise you this, it's never boring. I promise you something else. Look at the screen. When we are led by the Spirit of God, He will guide every step and He will never leave our side. Come on. There's a meme going around. I want to put it on the screen. I love this. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit. That's me, right? But you know what? At least he's in the roller coaster with us. He will never leave. All right, take that off. It's funny. Anyway, <laughs> let's continue. Verse 5. Eventually, Jesus came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. That time is important later. Verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman. Say Samaritan woman. Strike one, strike two. Samaritan, strike one, or barrier one. Woman, strike two. In that period of time, a woman was the lowest, well, other than kids, were the lowest on the totem pole. Strike one, strike two. Barrier one, barrier two. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food. Verse 9. The woman was surprised, to say the least, for Jews, she knew he was Jewish, for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? It wasn't the action of the drink. She's like, why are you even conversing with me? Why are you talking to me? Why are you looking at me? Why are you even here? We can't really comprehend, folks. I'm wanting you to get this. We can't really comprehend the awkwardness of this moment because of who he is and because of who she is in this moment. We can't comprehend it. The closest I can come to helping you understand is something that happened to me the first time I went to Pakistan. I was preaching uh, during the day at these, these bond slave uh, 
compounds where they made bricks and all of those things. And at night I was doing outdoor services because that's all these people had. They didn't have a building, no church building. So I was preaching outside, but I had a security detail made up of Muslim men, police from that area. And the chief of police was with us one night, the last night. He had been there each night watching me preach the gospel watching me lay hands on people. We had two demonic, demoniacs come and manifest. He saw all of that. He saw people delivered. He saw people come forward for salvation. This is a Muslim man, a chief of police, respected in this community. He was watching this every night, and the last night afterwards, he pulled Pastor Sammy, who I was with, he pulled him aside and said, I want him to come into my home and pray for my sister who was mentally disturbed, and she's been beating her son who lives with us. So I said, sure. So I went into their home. I met the sister. I think, you know, my unprofessional, very unprofessional opinion was a bipolar situation. I began praying for her. They, they took the shirt off of this poor kid and showed me where he had been just bruised. And then suddenly an older man came down the hall, and he's in full Muslim garb, the, the robes, and he sits down and he's got this gruff look on his face, big mustache, you know, and I mean, he's just, he's, you know, it, it's a generational thing. That's the way people live in other parts of the world. You understand that? There's like three generations in this home, four maybe. And so he's sitting there and he's quiet, but he's not real happy that I'm there. Find out later when we leave, I said, who is the man? He said, that man used to be in the Taliban. And I'm in, he knew I was a Christian preacher. He knew I was an American, which may have been worse. And I was in his home. Are you feeling it a little more now? What she was feeling? I want you to get this. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if only, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She's not getting it. And this, this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Yes. Anyway, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? When we've been to Israel twice, I've taken two groups since I've been to New Life here. And this is one of my favorite places in all of Israel. Why, pastor? Because they know that this is Jacob's well. And they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is where Jesus stood. It's one of the few places where they can say beyond a doubt, Jesus stood and touched this well right here. Let me see the picture. This is us right there. This is my daughter, Rachel, getting that water. And it is deep, and it is pure, and it is cold, wonderful water. The well is still there. They've built a church over the top of it now. But it's unbelievable. You can, let's go to verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And get this, I won't have to come here to get water. I won't. What's the big deal about here? Well, it's noontime. 
She shouldn't have even been there. The women collected water and got, got the water early in the morning when it was cool or late at night when it was cool. Nobody ever got water in the noontime, in the heat of the day. Why was she there? Because she was ashamed of her life. She didn't want to run into anybody else. Verse 16, Jesus said, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. This is the first recorded mic drop in all of history. (laughs) Jesus was like, Bob, yeah, you don't have a husband. You've had five. And the guy you're shacked up with right now is not your husband. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Duh. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while the Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Now, did you notice what happened there? She changed the subject. He read her mail. And she was like, oh, and about worship. What? What? But we do the same thing. When we're confronted with our life, when we're confronted with our shortcomings and our sin and our addictions and our problems and our hangups, when God puts his finger on that through the word of God or through a preacher or through a Christian friend, a counselor, whatever, we do our best to pivot away and change the subject. Now, calm down. I'm not going to preach about that. It's for another day. Okay, I'm letting you off the hook. Verse 21, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman. The time is coming when it will no longer matter. Say it will no longer matter. Whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. He's talking about the Messiah. He's actually talking about himself because he's a Jew. Verse 23, but the time, I love this, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? It means with your heart and with your mind. With your heart and with your mind. If we go one way or the other, we will fall into error. If we go all emotions and all heart, we will fall into error. If we only go with academics and apologetics and books, we will fall into error. We must worship him with all of our life. Everything in us, everything about us must be in worship to the Lord with our heart and our soul. Give him praise if you believe that. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who was called Christ. When he comes, he'll work this out. He'll explain it. Basically, she was like, be quiet. Then Jesus told her, I am. Oh, y'all ain't getting it like I'm getting it. I've done had church three times this week reading this and preaching this to myself. You understand? He said, I am. Do you see this right here? I did not capitalize that. That's the way it is in the original language. I am the Messiah. He was not just saying, I'm the guy. 
He was not just like, yeah, that's me. That's not. No, he was pointing all the way back to when Moses stood before the, the, the burning bush and God was there and God said, take off your shoes. You are standing on holy ground. And he told Moses to go free his children from, from Egypt. And Moses is like, who do I say sent me? And God spoke from the bush and he said, I am that I am. Jesus in this one verse is saying, I am God. I am the Messiah. I am God in the flesh. I am. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked. Yes, they were. To find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? These disciples were on a journey just like you and I. They were still dealing with their prejudices and their history and their traditions. And trying to work through all these things. But something in them... Was like, you better keep your mouth shut right now. This is not the time to bring that up. Something was happening. They sensed something special was happening and they didn't say anything. Verse 28, the woman left her water jar there. The thing that she had toiled over, the thing that she had worked so much to get the water out of that deep well, she left it because something much better had just happened and she had to go. She left it there and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now that we've read the story, we're going to watch it. And I'm telling you, they do an amazing job with this. And I want you to feel every bit of it. I want you to be there. I want you to feel it. I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. As we watch this and when it's over, I've just got a few more points that I want to make about these massive barriers that Jesus broke through in this one conversation. Watch the video. Would you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, would you ask her to drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman? I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon. In the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but... I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water, hmm? 
that's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper He's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage, and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him, because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. 
you think it's an accident that I'm I'm here in the middle of the day? <laughs> I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. As you know these things, because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promised. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> You forgot your um. Foxy, you man, you told me everything I ever did. <laughs> I wasn't sure I could go on after seeing that. I've watched it as many times as I could just to get it into my system and my soul, but. Uh, for thousands of years, that veil separated humankind from the presence of God. For thousands of years, there was this divide. Only the high priest could go behind the veil once a year. But the moment Jesus died on the cross, that barrier was torn down forever. But the veil in the temple wasn't the only barrier that Jesus came to break and to remove. In his conversation with this woman at the well, Jesus broke through four additional barriers. The first is racial. The fact that he was willing to go through Samaria to meet with a Samaritan woman speaks to the fact that prejudice and racism have no place in the kingdom of God. No place. It totally makes sense now when you think about the, the most famous parable Jesus ever told was the Good Samaritan. He told this story to a group of Jewish people and he made a Samaritan the hero. And what spurred on the story was the, the Jewish lawyer that said, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan and the moral of that story is everyone is my neighbor. Everyone, regardless of what skin color they have or where they're from in the world. Even that man who, who knows what he had done in his life that I sat next to on that couch in Pakistan. That man, because of the blood of Jesus, because of Christ, is my neighbor. Now, I know that's hard for some of you to take, but I'm telling you, that's the truth. Number two, he broke through the gender barrier. He was talking with a woman. He was empowering and, and allowing her to, to be the first evangelist. 
This is what Paul is saying, Galatians 3.28. Paul says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. At New Life Church, we allow, I, I, not allow, there's no allow to it. We, we go with the word of God. My, in two, three weeks on Mother's Day, my wife will stand in this pulpit and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My daughters preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because there is no divide. That barrier has been broken in Jesus' name. The third thing is social status. This woman had had a rough past. She was there at noontime because of her past. And her current situation wasn't any better. She was full of shame. She went out of her way to avoid people. But I want you to listen to her. Listen to me. Her past could not keep Jesus away. Her shame could not stop the love of Jesus from reaching her heart and changing her life. Jesus demolished the social status barrier in that village and he used the least likely person to spread the gospel in that region. And that's the way he still works. Regardless of your past, regardless of your present circumstances, Jesus is extending his love and grace and his mercy to you. He's not looking at your social status. He's not looking at your bank account. He's not looking at your pedigree, your last name. He's not looking to see what degree is on your wall. He's not looking at your mistakes. He's not looking at your past. He's looking at your heart. All he cares about is your heart. That's all he cares about. The only prerequisite is giving your heart to him. And the final thing he broke was worship. The woman was worried about where she was supposed to worship and how was she was supposed to worship because she couldn't go to the temple in Jerusalem. She was not allowed. She was a Samaritan. She was a woman. But Jesus let her know very clearly and he lets us know today. Look at the screen. It's not a matter of where we worship, but how we worship. We are to worship in spirit and in truth with our heart and with our mind. I'm finished, but I want you to remember from this entire series, I want you to remember this. God desires a relationship with you. And because of Jesus, every barrier to that relationship has been demolished. Every barrier, every barrier has been broken down because of Christ. Now listen to me, everybody look at me. Jesus has broken every barrier down. Don't allow Satan to build them back up. Don't allow the enemy to throw up your past in your face. Don't allow the enemy to remind you of what you used to be and who you used to to be or the fact that there's no way you've done too much you've gone too far there's no way don't allow the enemy to build back the barriers that Jesus gave his life to destroy don't do it they're broken down and the ones that you build 
that you allow the enemy to build, they're not even real. They're imagined. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the work was finished. Don't allow, see, the enemy is a liar. He's an accuser. He's a deceiver. And so these, these walls that you've put up in your life, that he's put up in your life, they're a deception. Racial divide. Worship divide. Gender divide. Whatever it is. Sin. Addiction. Jesus has already broken them down. Would you bow your heads? If you were challenged and are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you find us. To experience other messages, videos, and live events, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. And again, thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast.